How's it going? I'm Xander Fryer, just another millennial corporate dropout turned entrepreneur. Since quitting my day job as an engineer just over four years ago, I built a multi-million dollar coaching business, mentoring seven-figure business owners, professional athletes, award-winning musicians, Hollywood actors, best-selling authors, and hundreds of aspiring entrepreneurs. I truly believe that when we couple the right knowledge with a strong desire for action, anything is possible. But most of us are never given the right knowledge, the shit you don't learn in college. The Sidlik Podcast shares interviews from the world's most successful people in business, finance, sports, health, and entertainment in order to help you live a life filled with more money, more meaning, and more freedom than you ever thought possible. Get ready to learn the shit you don't learn in college. All right, how's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. I'm your host, Xander Fryer. And today, we're going to be talking about the nine habits that made me a millionaire by age 30, all right? And so you're going to learn the importance of building successful habits. We're going to talk about how to uh, unprogram bad habits and reprogram good ones. And then we're going to dig into the nine, uh, nine of the most successful habits that I have built over the last five years. This is something that I've uh, taken a personal, uh, a personal attribute to, uh, you know, really working through a lot of different habits. Some worked, some didn't, and I found a handful that uh, really, really contribute long term. So we're gonna ho- go ahead and focus on those. Now, for all of our shit you don't learn in college fans out there, if you've gotten any value from our shows, uh, don't forget to go to sidlickbook.com and uh, grab a copy of the new shit you don't learn in college book. Uh, We are doing pre-sales now. It's going to be an absolute game changer. Everybody who buys the book during the pre-sale launch will get over $3,000 in bonus trainings and programs. So you'll want to head over to sidlickbook.com. That's shit you don't learn in college. S-Y-D-L-I-C book.com and check it out now. Now let's get on with the show. All right. So uh, a little bit of context here of why this is so important, right? So I'm just going to be very frank and very forward. Uh, Your habits will dictate your success right? Um, I can't remember who said it, but there's a a famous quote out there that we'll just pretend that it was Xander the first time that was said it. So one time long, long ago, Xander said, uh, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny, right? So obviously it all starts with our thoughts, but those thoughts we need to sow into actions, those actions we need to sow into habits, which then become our character, our lifestyle, which then dictates our destiny. Now, one of my mentors once told me, he said, Xander, motivation will get you to take the first step, but habits will get you across the finish line. If you want to run a marathon, uh, you're going to have to create the habit of just putting left foot in front of right foot, right foot in front of left foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, over and over and over again. Even when you don't want to keep doing it, even when you want to stop, you just keep doing it. It has to become a habit. Habits are going to be what dictate whether or not you are successful in life. Now. The reason this is so important, we always talk about, you know, 95% of your brain being your subconscious mind, 95% of your brain being your subconscious mind. Um, And alternatively, uh, there's a a lot of neuroscience studies out there that show somewhere between 40 to 90% of your actions are dictated by habit, unconscious thought, 40 to up to 90%, potentially nine out of 10%, uh, nine out of 10, nine out of 10%, nine out of 10 of the actions that you take are dictated by habit. Think about it, right? Like think about when you brush your teeth. When you brush your teeth, 
Uh, do, do you like think about brushing your teeth? Are you thinking like, okay, circular motion now, upper left, lower, right, upper, right, lower, lower, right. You know, are you thinking about that? No, you just kind of do it. It becomes habitual, right? There's so many things in our life that just become habitual. I learned, I actually learned one, uh, the other day. Um, so, uh, we had, we Maddie and I have, uh, we had cleaners come over and the cleaners cleaned our shower and, uh, they pointed they pointed the, you know how you have those like little handheld wands in the shower? They pointed it directly out uh, of the, the shower door. Now, it's habit for me when I want to go take a shower, I go in and I just, without thinking or without doing anything, I just go turn on the shower. And I went in and I turned on the shower and that thing just sprayed me straight in the face. And I didn't know what to do. I freaked out. Uh, obviously, I was not expecting that, but it was habitual. I was on autopilot. I think I was like, I was text texting someone while I was doing it, right? I was on autopilot. It was habitual, right? Think about driving. When was the last time you thought about driving to work or the grocery store? You don't think about it. You just hop in the car and do it. Now, when you first learn to drive, right? Driving was not a habitual process. It was a very uh, intellectually intensive process. You're operating a multiple thousand pound vehicle. You're you're thinking, oh my God, seatbelt, um, uh, turn signals, mirrors, uh, hands at 10 and two, right? But then uh, now when you're doing it, now when you're driving, you could be driving to the grocery store, driving to work, and you're, uh, you're on the phone with a latte in your hand, driving stick, uh, you know, figuring out your kid or your dog in the backseat, all at the same time, because it's so habitual, right? So a high percentage of our actions are, are actually dictated by habitual action, right? This is why it's so important for us to be developing strong habits and for us to get rid of all of our bad habits, right? Now, uh, the thing that I always want to tell people, right, is like, if you raise your hand, if you know that you have bad habits, and I know I can't see you, but raise your hand anyways, if you know you have bad habits, right, I want you to realize that if you're a audience member of this show, well, you no longer have any excuse to have bad habits because we teach you how not to have bad habits, how to change those habits. If you're conscious enough to know that you have bad habits, it's, it can no longer be an excuse for you to say, oh, I have this really bad habit of blah, blah, blah. No, at that point, you're making the decision to allow yourself to keep that habit. But Xander, it's so hard to change my habits. No, it's not, right? It's actually really hard to, to, really hard to change your habits for a very short amount of time, right? It takes effort for a short amount of time, but after you put effort in for that short amount of time, then it becomes habit. And it actually becomes hard to stop, right? So the thing that, the reason that so many people don't try and change their bad habits is because they think, oh, it's so hard to change habits, right? Well, it's actually not that hard because you don't have to do it for very long. If you change a habit, if you focus on changing a habit for 30 or 60 days, you'll completely change the habit, right? And after that, after 60 or 90 days, it'll actually be harder to stop doing it. I think about um, going to the gym, right? <clears throat> we work, we work with a lot of, uh, you know, healthy people, right? Coaches and, and health coaches and fitness coaches and life coaches and career coaches, but they're all, you know, all of them know that they have to be, uh, uh, healthy in their body as well. You have for, for a coach to perform well, they have to be, you know, peak performance. So they got to take care of themselves. They got to eat well, they got to go to the gym, things like that. So a lot of the people we work with have really great personal care habits. They go, um, you know, they go to the gym constantly. Now, uh, I actually asked this question on a Q&A recently to one of our um, one of our clients. And I said, Daniel, um, you know, how often do you go to the gym? And he says, I go to the gym, you know, seven days a week. He's like, I go literally every day. Sometimes it's just to, for mobility work and stretching, but I go every single day. And I say, how long have you been doing that? He goes, oh, pretty much, you know, six years, right? Because he's been a health and fitness fanatic for a while. I said, Daniel, 
how hard would it be for me to get you to stop going to the gym? He goes, oh, it'd be damn near impossible, right? Because the truth is once you've developed that as a habit and you've turned it into your character, it's actually harder to stop these habits than anything. Right. Um, I was, I was telling, I have, I have a personal trainer because, uh, you know, as a coach, I know the importance of getting coaching and, and all the other different areas of my life. Um, you know, we have a relationship and intimacy coach, Maddie and I do, um, we've got, uh, you know, I've got a personal trainer and health coach. We've got, we've got coaches in different areas of our lives. Cause we know that that's really important. Now my personal trainer and, and health coach basically told me, Alexander, you need, you need to take some more rest days, right? If you want to build more muscle, you need to take some more rest days. And I, I literally said, I don't think that's going to happen right? It's, it's harder for me not to go to the gym and take a rest day than it is for me to go to the gym because I've developed that habit. All right. So <clears throat> really there's, there's two tricks that I use to get rid of old habits and make new ones. Uh, and it's fairly simple. If you want to dig more in depth into this, I, I'd suggest getting the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. Uh, he details uh, habit making and, and the processes around that, getting rid of bad habits, creating good habits very, very well. Um, and, and a lot more depth than I'm going to get into right here. You can obviously also check out our book, uh, shit you don't learn in college. We go through it in a lot more depth in our book as well. Um, so shit you don't learn in college, you go, go to sidlicbook.com, S Y D L I C book.com. We talk about it in depth at sidlicbook.com. Um, but super simple, two quick tricks to get rid of old habits and make new ones. So the two, uh, major levers, I'll call them, uh, that really help me with my habits are, are what I call, uh, it's the cue, what triggers the habit, and it's the pain or reward, right? So what I get, the, the, the response or what I get from doing this habit, either, either I get a pain from it, which makes me not want to do it, or I get a reward from it, a pleasantry from it, which makes me want to do it more. So um, what you want to do is if you have a bad habit, you want to get rid of the cue. You want to get rid of the thing that triggers the habit, and you want to make it hurt for you to do it. Now, for example, when I'm talking about um, cues. So for example, I had a good buddy of mine, um, who literally used to smoke every single day when he was in college, when he was out at bars, right? So he'd go out to the bar, he'd have a drink and he would go outside to get a break from the social ruckus of a bar. He would go out and have a smoke outside, right? To calm things down. That became habit. And he became a smoker. He would smoke a pack a week, right? As soon as he stopped going to bars all the time, right? Which is shortly after college, he just stopped smoking it, because the cue was no longer there. The bar was the trigger for him to start to smoke. And as soon as the bar was gone, he no longer had the need to smoke, right? So if there's a cue for you that's creating the ability to have this bad habit, maybe this bad habit is eating potato chips, right? Well, the cue could be seeing the potato chips in the cupboard. Well, if you just don't buy potato chips to begin with, you no longer have the cue, right? So you can get rid of the cue for your bad habits, right? Now, for your good habits, you want to create a cue. So for example, I wanted to start reading more a while ago. I wanted to make sure that I was reading every night. Well, one of the first things I could do is I could put the book on my nightstand in front of me. You make the cue something that you have to trip over. So I literally have to look at the book as I'm getting into bed. It's very difficult for me to, to say, uh, you know, I'm just gonna get in bed and ignore this book sitting on my nightstand, right? Um, another thing that I did is I wanted to... Um, I wanted to roll out more. I wanted to, you know, I'm, I'm, I love being into athletics and working out. Um, but I know that it's really good for me. Mobility as I'm now getting older, uh, I got to take care of my mobility and I gotta, I gotta stretch. I gotta do yoga. I gotta roll out on foam rollers and stuff like that. Do some PT in the mornings. Um, and so I actually put my foam roller somewhere where I see it every single morning when I go downstairs to, to do, 
uh, my breath work and, and meditation. So I roll out because it's sitting right there. I have to trip over it to do the rest of my morning routine. So the first thing you can do is you can get rid of cues, right? Uh, you can get rid of cues or you can put cues in front of you to make it easier to trigger those habits. Another cue that I got rid of um, when, uh, when I wanted to stop watching Netflix and stop watching TV for a while, I literally just put the remote in our dresser drawer upstairs. So I literally could not, uh, I didn't have a remote to turn on. <coughs> the other thing that we did is we make sure that we don't have any, uh, any electronics or any TV in our bedroom, right? A lot harder to watch TV before going to bed if you do not have the TV in the bedroom, right? So that brings us to making it hurt or making it pleasant, um, and, and making it difficult or making it easy, right? So um, specifically for, let's think about that TV situation again, right? For me to, for me to watch Netflix, I go downstairs and I sit in front of the TV. I would literally have to walk all the way upstairs into the bedroom and go find the remote remote in my dresser drawers. So I have to put a lot of effort and make it hurt to go have this bad habit. Okay. The other thing that I can do is I can tell Maddie, Hey Maddie, you know, I, I don't want to watch any TV for the next month, or I don't want to watch any, uh, I want to watch one hour of Netflix a week for the next month or something like that. Now, if I go watch more than one hour, it's going to hurt because Maddie's going to go, uh, you liar. You're, this is your third, this is your third episode of suits tonight, right? Like you're definitely past your one hour a week, Mark, right? So that's how you make it hurt. Now, how you make it pleasant is you want to do something that rewards you. you want to do something that rewards you when you're doing a good habit. So uh, another one of my good habits, which we'll talk about, is cold plunges. Um, now I love doing cold plunges. Well, I take that back. I hate doing cold plunges, but I love the way I feel after cold plunges. Um, so you want to make it pleasant for you to do something. So what I did when I first started doing this cold plunge, I love uh, I love bone broth. It's like one of my favorite things. I have it every morning. Um, and I, I basically decided I'm not going to allow myself to have my bone broth in the morning until after I've gone in the cold plunge right? So I'm not allowed to have my bone broth until I've gone into the cold plunge, right? So I reward myself for doing the thing with something that I really want, making it pleasant for me to go in. Now, eventually when you're building good habits, most of these good habits with time, the aftermath themselves will actually be the pleasantry. So for example, like I just mentioned, cold plunges still suck. I've been doing them for a long time. I've been doing cold plunges for a long time, but the two or three minutes that you're in a cold plunge just sucks. But afterwards, I feel amazing. So I get a pleasant response and that's enough of a reward for me now to not have to do anything afterwards. Same thing with meditation, right? Get building the habit of meditation um, was hard in the beginning because you know there were so many thoughts and I thought I was doing it wrong and this and that. But as I did, as I did it more and more, I realized that my, uh, my energetic state was calmer and I would handle stress better and I would make decisions better. So I noticed over the long term that meditation made me feel better. Same thing with working out. I noticed over the long term that I don't feel as good if I don't work out, which is why I go work out. So the two tricks that I use to get rid of old habits and build new ones. Number one, control the cue, right? If it's a bad habit, get rid of the cue. Get rid of the thing that's triggering you to do the thing, right? And if it's a habit that you want, put that cue right in front of you. If you want to learn how to go to gym first thing in the morning, put your clothes out right in front of the bed the night before so it's the only thing that you can wear. Put your gym clothes right out there next to your bed so it's the only thing that you can wear that first thing in the morning, right? And then if it's a bad habit, make it hurt. Make it hard for you to do that thing. Or if it's a good habit, make it pleasant and make it easy, right? Put uh, put that, you know, put the, put the foam roller right out there in front of you and make it easy on yourself or uh, make it really difficult. Hide that remote so that it's really difficult for you to do that thing. So 
Now that you know how to get rid of bad habits and you know how to build good habits, let's talk about a handful of habits that I have built over the last five years that I think have been uh, absolutely paramount to me building uh, a multiple seven-figure business and the reason why I was able to become a millionaire before, uh, uh, you know, by the age of 30. So, <coughs> whew, sorry guys, recovering from a little bit of a cold. Um, the first habit is waking up early. Now, I'm going to preface this with I don't think anybody needs to wake up at the time that I wake up because I wake up at four in the morning, which is stupid. Um, but waking up early, I do think is important. Not as important as waking up early is actually making sure that you don't hit snooze on whatever time it is that you actually set. So yes, I say for me personally, waking up early is a really important habit, but I also know that not everybody is an early waker upper -er. Um, so if that's not you, that's fine. But the most important thing is when you do say you're going to wake up, do not hit snooze. Why is this so important? So when we go to bed the night before, we're making an agreement with ourselves. Hey, Xander, I'm going to wake up at 7 a.m. Or I'm going to wake up at 6 a.m. Or I'm going to wake up at 4 a.m. Whatever it might be. Now, the next morning, the first thing that you're doing is you're either going to keep the agreement or you're going to break the ag agreement. When you keep agreements, it builds your confidence. It builds your subconscious trust in yourself, right? Your subconscious is watching all the time. So what happens if you say, hey, Xander, I'm going to wake up at seven in the morning. And the first thing you do is you go snooze. Your subconscious goes, dude, Xander, you're a liar. You said you were going to wake up at seven. And then down the line, you go to do, uh, you, you set a goal of building a six-figure or multiple six-figure seven-figure business, right? And your subconscious goes, how am I supposed to believe that you're going to build a seven-figure business when you can't even wake up to your alarm? That's bullshit, right? You lose faith in yourself. You lose worth. You lose confidence when you break agreements with yourself. And if you hit snooze as the first agreement you break during the day, you're setting yourself up for failure for the entire day and frankly, for the rest of your life, right? So waking up early and not hitting snooze. I have not hit snooze. To be honest, I couldn't tell you how long, but it's been somewhere between like three or four years, I think. I have not hit snooze. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, I kind of already mentioned it, but it's uh, it's health habits around my body. So it's eating healthily, working out daily, getting good sleep. Um, these are really important habits to me. I know Jim Rohn talks about you know take care of your body. It's the it's the only one you have, right? Like this is the only body you're given. So if you do not take care of this, how can you be expected to? Uh, perform at a high level and succeed at a high level. Um, you know, if you're not eating healthy, if you're not moving healthily, if you're not getting great sleep, you are not going to perform at your optimal level. Um, you're not going to show up with the energy that you need. You're not going to be able to think straight. Your brain is not going to be operating uh, the way that you needed to. Um, so eating healthy, and I'm not going to push any specific diets on anybody because uh, you know there's different diets that work for different people. Um, you know, I have a buddy of mine who's a carnivore, and that just works for him. Literally eats nothing but meat literally nuts, nothing but meat. And it works great for him. That's not for me. Um, I eat about 90% plant-based 10%, uh, 10% lean, uh, lean animal based, uh, animal based protein. So, um, fishes, sometimes red meat, um, and, uh, and things like that. But I eat about 90% plant-based and that for me, I just find is, is healthier for me. I have more energy. I sleep better. Um, you know, all of that sort of stuff. So eat healthy, what works for you and make sure you're working out or getting some form of movement daily, right? So obviously lifting heavy weights and doing strength training every day, probably not the best, but you know, I, I lift, I go to the gym, um, five days a week on the days that I, that I'm off, I'm either, uh, doing long walks with Maddie and Aspen, or I'm doing yoga or I'm going rock climbing, or I'm doing something physical to make sure that my body is moving and I'm pumping through my lymphatic system to pump out the toxins of my body. 
So that's number two. Number three is cold showers and cold plunges. This is one of my favorite habits that I've built, but every day um, I do either a cold shower or cold plunges. If I'm home, I do cold plunges. If I'm away, I'll do cold, cold showers uh, as, a, as a second best. But cold therapy is by far one of the best things that I've found uh, to help hormonally, energy-wise, and to help manage uh, your stress and anxiety responses. So uh, when you get into cold, your body responds the same way every single time. Uh, complete fight or flight. It thinks it's going to die, right? So when you get into a, a cold plunge, your body thinks it's going to die and it starts to go crazy. And learning how to calm your mind and clear your mind and calm your nervous system in a physical environment where it literally thinks it's going to die um, retrains your overall stress response, your hormonal responses. Um, as you come out of that, um, every single day I come out of the cold plunge and I am lifted up. I am motivated. I am inspired. I am, I am, let's go gangbusters. If I was feeling down before, I'm feeling, you know, elevated and in a great mood. Um, it happens every single time. Now, um, there's a lot of scientific reasons behind this. Um, you can actually, we, we did a podcast interview with Tyler Forbes recently. You can go find his podcast interview if you want to understand the power of cold. Um, but cold, uh, cold showers and cold plunges uh, are absolutely paramount for, for me as an entrepreneur to be able to handle the high demand, high stress life uh, that I live and, and just handle it with ease. Um, another one is meditation. So, uh, number four is meditation. Now I've been meditating for about five years now, and I feel like every single year I just get, uh, calmer and more confident and, and more centered in everything that I do. I do a form of meditation. Um, I do a couple different forms. I do Kriya is one form of meditation I do. And I do, um, uh, Vedic meditation as well. Um, very similar to transcendental meditation twice a day, 20 minutes a day, um, but I've been doing that now for five years and it's like an industrial strength stress release. Um, I kid you not, like I, I, it's insane the amount of stuff that can go on in our world and it just doesn't phase me because I've been doing it for so long. Um, number five is something that I call fear journaling. You guys will hear me talk about this a lot in different, various different episodes, um, but it goes against all ideas of the normal law of attraction you know, when everybody says, focus on, you know, whatever you focus on, you'll bring to your world. So you want to focus on good. You want to focus on gratitude. You want to focus on where you're going and your goals. Um, so fear journaling is where you actually journal, physically journal, or you can actually speak into your, your phone recording and listen back to it if you're more of an auditory person. Um, but fear journaling is basically um, marinating in the crap. So it's digging deep into your fears, writing out all of your deepest, darkest fears. Your, and it's not just fears. It's, it's all the negative emotions, the anger, the regret, the resentment. Um, getting out the negative emotions. So, um, you know, one of the things that uh, psychology and psychiatry has proven is that the only way to get rid of an emotion is to actually feel through it. There is no other way. There's no other way to get rid of an emotion. Now, most of us, when we have a shitty emotion, we bury it down or we try to avoid it or we think, oh my, you know, I I'm already through that one. But if it's still there, if you're still feeling it, you're obviously not through it, right? So the only way to move through an emotion is to actually move through the emotion. So what this fear journaling or negative journaling does um, you're literally wor you're, you're working through your deepest, darkest fears and problems until you don't have anything left. It's like digging deep down into this pool of, of angst and frustration and, and grossness and anger and fear and every day digging deeper and deeper to get it all out. Now we all have these deep, dark fears in our subconscious mind. So the goal here is to keep digging deeper and find more. How much can you find? Because you want to get it out of your head and onto that piece of paper. Cause once it's on that piece of paper, you've moved through it right? Or part of it. Now you can sometimes I'll fear journal the same thing over and over for five days, 10 days, but eventually I've moved through it and now it's out of me. 
right? And then it stops dictating my, my decisions and my actions. We already talked about uh, you know, 40 to 90% of your actions are dictated by habit and your subconscious mind. Well, if those fears are just marinating in your subconscious mind and you wonder why you're not successful, right? It's because you haven't been doing your fear journaling to pull the crap out of your brain and, and get it out onto a piece of paper or a Word document or something. Um, so that's number five. Number six uh, is something that seems a little bit obvious, but uh, telling the truth. So uh, this is something that obviously I've... Uh, I always pretend to be perfect at, but I'm never perfect at telling the truth, right? None of us are, um, but I always strive to tell the truth more and I always strive to tell the truth better and specifically even when people don't want to hear it. This is something that I've been constantly working on for the last five years um, is telling people the truth even if they don't want to hear it because it's not my responsibility to dictate how somebody responds to the truth. It is my responsibility to be honest and truthful and the more honest and the more truthful you are, people will sense it and people will love that about you, even when sometimes you say something uh, that might not be might not be the nicest thing. So this, you know, with this is you don't want to be a dick. You don't just want to, you know, have no emotional intelligence and uh, you know be like, hey, you're ugly for no reason, right? Like that, that's that's not helpful. Um, but you want to be honest and you want to be truthful. Sometimes you just need to be tactful of how you explain it. But to give you a great example, Maddie and I, uh, my wife Maddie and I, have something called radical candor and radical truth, where we will literally tell each other anything, the truth, when somebody asks. So if she asks me, hey, what are your thoughts on this? Or what do you really think about this? I will give her 100% the truth, no matter what. And I won't sugarcoat it, um, but I will give her 100% the truth. Now, this only works between us because both of us are very deep in the self-development space and we've done a lot of work with each other with, uh, through this, but we will still trigger each other. You know, I'll say something and it'll trigger her. She'll say something and it'll trigger me, but then we'll tell each other that we're being triggered so that we know what's going on and we're having emotional responses and we'll work through it. But this has been what allows us to have such a close relationship and, uh, you know, three years and working on four years in our relationship, I feel like we're just, you know, getting closer and closer every day, which brings me to uh, number seven, which is telling my wife I love her. So we all know that the words you speak are one of the most powerful things to program your subconscious mind. And every single day, I have the habit of literally yelling at my wife how much I love her. I'm not kidding you. Uh, when I walk out of my office or out of my studio and I open up the door, the first thing I go is, I love you. And I literally yell at my wife downstairs to let her know that I love her. Um, whenever I see her, I let her know I love her. Um, and the more that I do it, I swear to God, I feel like the more I fall more deeply in love with her. Um, which is absolutely crazy, but it is possible um, because the words that we use continue to program our mind. And that's something, you know, I, we, we tried to count it once. I think I, I, I said, I love you. And she said, I love you. Like something like between 20 and 40 times a day. Um, it's pretty crazy. Um, but that's a habit that I started to have that continues to program us to just be closer and closer. Now, uh, number eight is something that actually goes hand in hand with number one that we talked about closely, which is waking up to your alarm. Um, which is keeping your agreements. So like we talked about, keeping your agreements is one of the most important things that you can do to build your confidence. When, whenever you, uh, think of it like this, every time you keep an agreement, it's like building a muscle. Every time you keep an agreement, it's like lifting some weights to build the muscle, right? Now, every time you break an agreement, it's not like missing a workout. It's like tearing the muscle. It's like you have to go start over again, right? So keeping your agreements is essential to build your self-worth, to build your self-confidence. And every agreement that you break will actually be like tearing that confidence muscle and it will break you down and it will give you less confidence in yourself to be successful. Confidence is by far one of the most important traits to being successful as a person. You could have a terrible skill set, but if you are overly confident, you will be successful. Confidence will win. 
right? But keeping your agreements is one of the most important habits you can have to build that confidence in yourself. Because that way, when you say you're going to do something, you do it. If I say I'm going to do something and then I do it, and then later down the line, I say, I'm going to go build a seven-figure business, your subconscious is going to go, okay, let's get to work, right? Which brings me to my last habit, which is I've made the habit of being decisive and making courageous decisions. Now, being decisive is really, really important, right? Not hesitating to make decisions, not overthinking, not being uh, someone who, who gets into paralysis by analysis, just being quick to make decisions. One of the biggest things that will kill your success is hesitation and indecision, right? Hesitation and indecision kills more dreams than picking the wrong thing. This is something that I have noticed. I've made hundreds of wrong decisions, maybe even thousands of wrong decisions over the last five years, but every wrong decision can be corrected by another decision right afterwards. So you need to go make mistakes. You need to go make a decision, mess something up, learn that it's wrong, and then go change it so you can do better, right? Indecision. Indecision is the only way to stay stuck because then you're forever left guessing. Uh, should I have done this or should I have done this? Uh, I don't know which one, so I'm just not going to do anything. Well, what if you just picked path A and you went down path A and you realized one month later that it was wrong, so you picked path B and then you were fine with down, going down path B? You learned what the right path was in two months, whereas if you're indecisive, you could spend six months, a year, two years, five years not deciding on something. So I have made the habit of making every major decision within 24 hours maximum, right? Maddie and I were talking recently, Maddie and I were talking recently about um, uh, potentially moving to Costa Rica in a couple of years. And we basically decided, hey, in, in a couple of years, we're moving to Costa Rica. That was a 24-hour decision. It took us 24 hours to make that decision. Now, can we change that decision in the future? Absolutely, we can. But as of right now, we're moving to Costa Rica in 2023, right? So. That, that was a decision we made, a life-changing decision that we made in about 24 hours. Um, and I was talking to John Lee Dumas of uh, Entrepreneur on Fire, and he's trying to convince us to do Puerto Rico instead. So that decision might change. But as of right now, I made the decision, Costa Rica. All right. So those are the nine habits that I've developed over the last five years that personally I think have been the most impactful on me building uh, a multiple seven-figure business as well as becoming a millionaire by the age of 30. Um, hopefully that's been helpful. That's all we have on today's show. Do not forget that knowledge without action yields nothing. So make sure you implement what you learn here with us. And for all of our Sidlik fans out there, if you've gotten anything from this podcast, uh, don't forget to go to sidlikbook.com, S-Y-D-L-I-C book.com to grab your pre-sale uh, pre of the Shit You Don't Learn in College book. Uh, opened up August 23rd, and the book itself will be coming out October 19th. It's going to be an absolute game changer. Um, like I mentioned, everybody who buys the book during the pre-sale launch will get over $3,000 in bonus trainings. I'm going to be giving away uh, a get shit done productivity training that clients normally pay me $2,000 for. I'm going to be giving away a four-week shit you don't learn in college program uh, that we've had clients pay us $5,000 for. I'm giving this stuff away for free when you go buy the pre-sale uh, of the book uh, moving forward. So go ahead and check that out at sidlickbook.com and I'll see you guys there. All right, that's all we have for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And if you did, please share this episode on your social media and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. We can only spread our message when you share this knowledge with the others that need it. So we really appreciate the support. Thanks a ton. Thanks a ton.